You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are shells of ourselves right now, I think. I literally walked into my apartment 10 minutes ago from a nine-hour train ride from Buffalo back here into the city, so my neck is all jacked up. I am tired. The woman next to me smelled, so... Drag. Nothing better. Nothing better. I'd rather do under these circumstances and talk about a Giants loss. But at least it wasn't. We're not gonna have the conversation we expected to have 24 hours ago. That's for sure. God, no. Nothing about this trip uh, went the way that we thought it would at all. Uh, down to the weather. Um, I am. Other than the one-hour nap I took right before we started this, I haven't gone to bed yet. I um I flew home in the clothes that I wore to the game. Yeah, so. if you haven't. You haven't been around Grump. He's a freaking animal. I mean, we got back, you know, we actually, first thing was pretty shocking. We give ourselves stars and the giant stars. We stayed for the whole game, which we were fully expecting to, to leave early. Had yeah, we to. had to, which is great. Uh, we get back to the hotel room, you know, and traffic's not bad getting out and everything. We get to the hotel. Grump watches the game again. I mean, he's had a flight. He's His flight is at 6 a.m. And he starts watching. I mean, that is dedication to you, our loyal listeners, and the proof of the screw loose that Grump has. So Grump gets a star oh, for being you. prepared. I literally put my head on the pillow and was out cold in seven. I think in the middle of a, of a sentence, I think I fell asleep. Almost, man. I mean, because I had the game on my laptop, so I had a literal timestamp. You were within 60 seconds. Of, yeah. You were talking to me as you were, like, putting the covers over and your head on the pillow. And then and I think I said something gibberish, too. I think I kind of you – know that you're, like, in that lucid state where you're – you're saying gibberish. I think I remember saying something about a contract, which made no sense with anything. And then I was out like, you're about to go under, like, you know, getting a dentist work done or, or surgery. <laughs> Counting I back think, from 10 and you make yeah, it to seven. I, I think I made it to like N from 10. So, <laughs> yeah, it was. So you had just, it was like within 60 seconds, you were started snoring. I was like, oh shit, he's, <laughs> he's down. All right. Guys, um, I have one skill in life, and that is my ability to sleep anywhere, anytime, under any conditions. Yo, that is a enviable skill. Yeah. Now that I've hit five one, sleeping is a premium, and you know, I I still think I'm 24, and I still you know, obviously, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you see I'm all over the place at all crazy hours, and you got to sleep whenever you can grab it, and I do that. So, start start for me. Yeah. Um. Wow, what a what a trip! Um, I so like part of the reason I did that is because I had to return a rental car, get to the airport. I had so much stuff that it was like, do I really grab three hours of shut eye or do I just knock this out while I'm up? So just knocked yeah. it out while I was up. But I I never I had have not yet gone down. So my voice is a little wonky, <clears throat> but we're here to do this. So yeah. Let's Before, talk about let's talk about Buffalo. Let's talk about just the experience. Yeah. So wait, wait, while uh, while we talk about this trip up to Buffalo to West New York, um, I will be drinking a beer by the local brewery Autodiadect Brewing uh, here in New Jersey. And the reason why oh. I'm doing that 
is because they are a really brand new brewery, small business, great place, great vibe, great people, very nice people, and excellent beer. So that is an all-around quality product that deserves amplification, not unlike this podcast. So grab yourself an autodidact beer, tell a friend about Just Giants podcast, and let's talk some goddamn football. Um, Do it. We went up there. Uh, your train came in a little bit late. We didn't get to do a whole lot of the Buffalo thing, but man, it is it is a night and day difference. The influence that that team has on not just that city, but that whole region of the state. It is it is built into the culture there in a way that it's unfortunate that New York City is too expansive and all over the place and filled with people from all over the country. And, and, and that's not a bad thing, but in terms of having an ingrained, you know, self-identity of the, the region, it's, it's not even close to comparable. I mean, like the bridges in Buffalo have the logo like on them. Like yeah, it, it, it is everywhere there. It is. It is the closest thing I've seen in the NFL to what the college experience is like, where, you know, if you drive into you drive into Gainesville or Auburn or Ann Arbor or, you know, you name the, the college town where the center of social life, the center of you know, the, 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 the heartbeat revolves around the football team, the experience of going to the game, the experience of tailgating before the talking about it before and after. And, and this is really it, you know. I've been to Pittsburgh, I've been to Green Bay, I've been to Jacksonville, I've been to Tampa, places that, you know, the NFL team is, you know, front and center and the center of it, but I really got to give hats off to Buffalo. That was, that was quite, we only had a little bit of a taste, but we were with a couple of locals and friends of mine, so shout out to Joe Mo for, you know, for hosting us for a little bit, Um, but it really, we could tell right away that, um, you know. It's not about it's not being a dick fan base like trying to prove you're better than everybody else. It's not something that, you know, beat your chest and say how big your crank is compared to others. This is this has been since nineteen sixty, this is part of that town. And you know, it's a it's a town and a region that's had struggles in the last, you know, fifty years, but they have their football team. And I'm really glad they're building a new stadium, you know, so they're staying in town. You know, you're gonna lose that college stadium appeal when, when they finally turned on rich stadium but you know good for them and it was a really it was a really good experience so i'm actually um i'm gonna give a fart and initially when we were at the game Ooh. we were at the game and i thought this fart was going to be something else and i i thought the fart i was going to award was on bill's fans i i understand that this night game, these people were drinking, and I rolled into town very early from Rochester. I rolled in at about 10 a.m. or something like that, and there were already people. It was evident that the drinking had already started around in pockets of Buffalo. Um, I was kind of moving around. doesn't matter. Uh, now, I understand that might lead to some dumb comments, uh, <laughs> but there were – there was – this experience – briefly made me feel like rather than the football team being a really big part of the culture there where it's super important and everyone's really knowledgeable everyone seemed to be like drunk buffoons that just didn't it didn't even know football like like just really stupid commentary that you know not not unlike giants fans that we've seen whatever and then as the game went on i realized it 
It's Highmark Stadium that gets the fart. And here's why. It is no wonder to me that Buffalo fans that are loyalist but fucking stupid fan base all around us that I've been around is because you can't see anything. I know you're getting a brand new stadium soon, but the problems – you have scoreboards with bad information on it. You've got no replays. You've got a camera that does show replays occasionally that's shot from the Hubble. You can't see anything. You don't need a whole new stadium to fix some of these things. You need a better stadium operator. We had incorrect stats on the board for a long – they yeah. had something like Josh Allen had only three passing attempts. It was up on the scoreboard in the second quarter. It's yeah. absolutely not correct. I mean, it's. I'm happy for you guys you're getting a brand-new stadium, but geez – you got to start hiring better staff or, or something. There were, at one point, one of the scoreboards was just green. <laughs> it's, it, right. it, 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 it's no wonder you guys don't know what you're talking about half the time. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna. I I think that's exception more than rule with the fan basing. We were sitting behind a real imbecile. Like I was. I'm half joking. There was a. There was a. His commentary was every punt for either team. Horrible punt and. Last night was a punting clinic by both teams. We had kicks, you know, down in the five-yard line, booming kicks were unreturnable, and every kick, terrible kick, terrible kick. Jamie Gillen had one of the best punts I've seen in this game where he just drilled something from the end zone on on a short snap. He drilled it all the way to the opposing 30 and angled towards the sideline, and they were able to tackle him at the point of... You know, pretty much where he caught it, he kind of had to back up a little bit and then got, yeah, about one point, yard forward. That was an incredible special teams play. Yeah, to the point the girlfriend basically was like, "Okay, we need to leave. You, you you're done. You have to go." So it's a little self policing. So she gets a star. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> fan bases are fan bases. You know, it, it, you're right. A Sunday night game when you've been pounding beers all day in a place that is known for pounding beers. And jumping on tables and doing all the you know the silly stuff that they do, that's we'll, we'll, I, I let that go a little bit. Yeah, I'm I mean, impressed. I'm impressed by, I think you know when you see like lots of women at the at the tailgate and everything, and they have all different jerseys, not just Josh Allen, but like I saw a variety of everybody, and that tells me that you know everybody's into this team. They know who they like, who's good. It's not. Just the superstar quarterback, not like the good-looking Kelsey they have on your, you might have on your team or something. It's that's. Well, I think wait, it's a pretty good fan base. Well, let me ask you something. Did you find it odd how few Jim Kelly jerseys were there? I found that somewhat odd. There were there was there were there were there and were no, no quite a Thomas. number of. I, I was going to say I saw a couple Thurman Thomas at some tailgate stuff, not really in our section, but I was really surprised that there weren't that many Jim Kelly jerseys. It's interesting. I mean, you know, again, that was 30 years ago, but but the combination of he's a local legend, someone who's had health issues, yeah. you know, um, the retro phase coming back, you, you would think more. I, I thought that was a little surprising. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't actually shitting on this fan base. I, I was being no. tongue-in-cheek <laughs> there, but uh, it, the thing is, we had these sweet 
light up wristbands. They had a really, really great Sunday night setup for this thing, but you can't even get your scoreboards right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the priorities were just all over the place at this stadium. Of course, we're, we're, we're also talking about a MetLife stadium where, God forbid, I, we get any stats at all for anything. That's, I mean, we're, that's, but at least we get replays, man. I mean, I was I, I had to be tethered to my phone to find out some things were going. We had no replays whatsoever well, for well, a while. Well, then, then let's give a fart for Wi-Fi being complete garbage, too. That's, also, I mean, yeah, that's kind of all of Western New York, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean... I felt like I was trying to dial into my AOL account. It was that bad. Yeah, it was pretty. We couldn't even add tickets to your your phone wallet. Ugh, that was an adventure. It, yeah. Um. All right. So game fourteen nine game. Bills Giants. Um. I kind of want to start with the defense in this game because we walked into this game both talking it was like well you know the move might be to leave at halftime we parked in somebody's lawn which is like very common there because it's kind of in a residential neighborhood we had to make sure we weren't going to be blocked in because as giants <laughs> fans we might be we might be leaving early which is you know it Correct. is what it is uh and the defense i think is probably the biggest reason that we stayed to the very end not the only reason obviously but Man, the Bills' offense is a high-powered offense, and this is coming off of playing the Miami Dolphins. So maybe, maybe we had uh, you know iron sharpens iron kind of moment. Maybe the Bills are a little dull coming back from London, but I have to throw stars at the defense in general because they held the Bills to just two scores, both of which were scored in the fourth quarter. They held them scoreless until the fourth quarter. That is that is. I I did not think we would be sitting here today saying anything of that sort. And not only that, they made Buffalo change what they do. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's they had big, to run. They had to run. That is a sign that your defense is working and playing well, and you've done a really good job of coaching. We'll get to coaching in a minute. But, you know, as bad as the offense has been this year, you know, these scores have gotten out of hand because the defense has not been good either. Right. And, you know, Josh Allen, I think might be, you know, I don't think he's in that top tier of quarterback. He's a very, very good quarterback, but he does have stretches where he's kind of, uh, and I think we got a little lucky. We got, like, we got a stretch yesterday of, uh, from him too. So, but, you know, I, I think we did a fantastic job of, um, you know, we're, we're, I guess this is more of a conversation for offense, but dictating really what we wanted to do to them and make them more reactive. And they, they figured it out in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, defense, it's a part of a bigger thing, I think with the defense and it's this team and it goes to coaching. And this is where I'm going to get the star part for coaching is this team for all intents and purposes, this season's over for a variety of reasons. This team came to the park tonight or last night to play and play oh, yeah. to win. And when you have buy-in, I mean, I can I can accept injuries. I can accept lack of talent. I can accept lack of execution. I can even accept bad coaching. What I can't accept is mailing it in and quitting and giving up. And nothing makes me angrier than sitting there, you know, whether on my couch or at a game or at a bar, and it's like, these fucking guys just quit. It's yeah. over. Mm -hmm. They quit. They quit on this game. They quit on this season. They quit on this coach. And God knows between the Giants and the Gators in the last decade, I've gone through that five times in the last 10 years. This team should have should have pretty much mailed this season in, and they played their asses off. 
So that, you know, a lot of that goes to the players, but that gets a start for the coaches to keep this team focused and aligned and professional and playing to win. So kudos to them. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm just going to throw some stats out there. They held the Bills to just two scores, uh, mm-hmm. under 300 yards total offense, 169 yards passing, 128 yards rushing. They were 6 of 12 on third down. They forced two turnovers. And while on the stat sheet it didn't show up, there was a lot. of. I mean, Josh Allen was not just being Josh Allen. He was running for his life for a good portion of this game. Yeah. And I want to highlight one player who's – in general, the defense was, was good. I, mean, I have another star for some defensive players, but I was thinking about this later. He didn't have a big play or anything like that, but does it feel like an honorable mention needs to go to Deontay Banks? I mean, Stefan Diggs was their he, best receiver how, in this game. He had 10 catches, but he was – how many he times a, was he targeted? Like a thousand? I think he was targeted like sixteen or eighteen times. He had ten catches. He had a hundred yards flat. And Deontay Banks has quietly been a really solid rookie corner the last couple of weeks. It is that there's a tough, tough task to come to Buffalo on Sunday night and play against this offense. And you know, in general, the defense played really great. And you know, I know our our coach knows the offense, knows the quarterback. I I'm not gonna not acknowledge any of that. But it is it was even mentioned by Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast that like on broken plays where Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs have this connection, they understand each other. They you know, Deontay Banks was not handsy, didn't draw any flags. I don't think. Um, and, you know, made life difficult for the Bills, which is a, a high-powered offense that's experienced and has made uh, veteran players and experienced defenses look very silly throughout the last couple of years. I, I consider rookie cornerbacks, rookies in this league, I consider almost the same as officials and referees. If I don't think about them, they're doing their job. It's like when you think about a corner, usually nine times out of ten, unless you're like Sauce Gardner, when you're talking about a a, a rookie cornerback, it's, oh, boy, he's getting abused. He's toast. He needs help. They got to, you know, they they, got to help with their safety or something. I don't remember even thinking about Deontay Banks during the game or really that much, you know, this year as as a whole. So just because you're not making fantastic, you know, highlight film plays or a ton of picks – Doing your job and keeping the other guy from being fantastic and being on Sports Center himself is that's what your job is as a cornerback. And doing it as a as a rookie is just a godsend. You know, we had that as, you know, one of our preseason concerns we both did about those guys, but we also said we're willing to live with it. We'll deal with it. And I haven't it's been a long time since I've gone to a game like, oh boy, I'm worried about these corners. How are they gonna hold up against receiver X or, you know, quarterback Y or something. Uh, I think overall the defense, um, I thought they played with a fire and a purpose. I think they had some moments that looked a little bit rough, especially in the in the late game when they were kind of getting run all over. 
Um, but but overall, they they never looked inept against it. Remember, they're playing against a great offense. They never looked inept. They never looked bad, and they never looked lost. They came in pissed off. Yeah, I mean, they, they came, came in with. Yeah, they came in hot, and that you know, from the very first play of the game, there was you know. There was chippiness going. Obviously, the brawl, you know, that that went out. I mean, this is the team that was pissed and that, you know, pride. That's that, another thing. That, that's another example of not, you know, quitting on your team is you give a darn and you are gonna, you know, if I have to fight you about it, I will. I mean, I, I saw some outlets and, and some other shows are like, you got to keep your emotions under control. You gotta. I get that, but you know something. <laughs> This team is one in five and teetering on the edge of being completely irrelevant for the rest of the year. I don't mind seeing any of that. We need leaders on this team. And if I see that my brother in arm in the trenches or, you know, is not going to put up with some nonsense from the other team and is willing to put his fists out and willing to risk getting thrown out of a game and getting a fine, that's how leaders and that's how bonds and brothership grow. So I'm glad to see it now. Let's not make this like your calling card of being dirty and just being out of control all the time, but there's times and places when it needs to happen, and last night was one of those times and places. They set the tone immediately for this game. Oh, They were not going to be dicked around and pushed around. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. So I rewatched the the brawl a couple of times from the broadcast because that was happening on the other end of the end zone for us, so we couldn't see shit. Yeah, I naturally. couldn't tell you, but there was a great big scoreboard. There is a big scoreboard at that place. Half of it's taken up by ads, and then the other <laughs> half doesn't show you any replays of anything. So Trump is no fan of uh, the no, former Rich Stadium. <laughs> I would blow that fucking thing up. Anyway, um, I, I had to rewatch it, and uh, I watched it a couple times. To me, my interpretation is that looked like Kayvon Thibodeau getting slightly frustrated with not being able to disengage from somebody and kind of just piling Deion Dawkins into, into a tackle. Spencer Brown looked like he came in and just started punching him in the abdomen. And that is really what seemed to set off. So, like, I mean, I'm not going to say it belonged to one team or another. Like I said, like, it looked like Kayvon was really driving Deion Dawkins into the tackle. And this, and this has been growing all game. This is not an isolated Correct. incident. Like, I mean, what are you doing, from, man? From the first play, from the yeah. kickoff, honestly. Um, but it looked like he kind of gave him a little extra shoves. But, like, the, the random right tackle coming in and just throwing a couple of gut punches brought Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams into the fold. And that's where everything just went b- bananas. And so you <laughs> had two bananas. separate things. You had you had a fight with Spencer Brown going on in the end zone, and Josh Allen kind of got involved in that. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. Um, and then you still had Deion Dawkins after that kind of separated. He was kind of – Kayvon Thibodeau was on the ground, and he was trying to, like, just drag him down and whatever. And Kayvon legitimately was kicking up, like, to keep himself – he's on his back like a turtle. Um, I'm not going to say one side or the other, but it really was like a big fight. So in the moment, we were, I was like, somebody's got to get kicked out of this game because this is just going to get out of control. And I was kind of surprised that nobody did, although we're, no no punches were thrown. We're going to talk later about plays that you know people are talking about changing the rules for. They've got to do something about this. Well, if three guys get a personal foul on one team and one guy gets it on the other, it's offsetting, no harm, no foul. That has to be addressed because you are going to, you know, if you see one side, you know, it's going to get the penalty, why not just pile on and just go crazy? There's no penalty for it. There's no effect on the game. So I think that's something very seriously has to be looked at. The the effect, 
you would think is the fines that are going to come, which we don't know anything about. Well, I mean, you shrug, but $20,000 to you and I may be um, a ton, but I'm sure it's still a, a that is a pretty penny to them as well. Um, but I don't want to get too much into the officiating in this game. No. I know that I know that Giants fans will want to hear a lot about that, and I will agree that the last play of the game did look like even worse pass interference, having rewatched it with a, uh, a real camera that's on the field and not shot in outer space. Um, I could see that very clearly now. But I don't want to get into it because I think throughout the game from kickoff to the end of the game, the officiating was bad just all over the place. Nobody was teams. happy. That, that fan base was – they'd had enough. They were tired of the bad calls too. So Yeah, I, but th- there was a little bit of crybaby going on. Yeah, but I, I – yeah, I, it, I you know – We'll get to that play shortly, but I, you know, it happens. I want to. I want to get this back to football though. Uh, defensively, I have two stars to hand out to Bobby Okereke and Micah McFadden as a linebacker duo. I am. Fi- I am seeing it now. Holy shit! Okay, the 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 two guys there combined for two turnovers. Bobby Bobby Okereke with the deflection and a forced fumble. Micah McFadden got the pick off the deflection and then the fumble recovery on the fumble. Bobby Okereke was a goddamn tackling machine in this game. 11 tackles, two tackles for a loss, and two pass breakups. Micah McFadden seems to be picking up right where he left off before the injury that he sustained, generating pressure. He had seven tackles, one pass breakup. And like I said before, while it didn't show up on the stat sheet how much pressure they were putting on Josh Allen. He was the one who was credited with the solo QB hit, which, by the way, I, I'm still surprised that there was only one QB hit attributed to them. But th- that linebacker duo, bo- both young in their contracts with this team, looks like a nice, absolute stud package put together in this defense, doesn't it? You know, it's pretty ironic. Early in the game, it might have still been in the first quarter, we were talking about um, Okereke and it was just like, you know, he's pretty good, but, you know, he just seems to be like a half a step late on thinking and making decisions and stuff. And, you know, the final 50 minutes of the game, he was fantastic to make us make, make me look stupid. But, yeah, we it's a, it's a position of need that we've needed someone to be great for a long time. And it looks like we are on the road to finally having, you know, a, 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 like you said, early in their contracts. I mean, mm-hmm. if we have linebacker pretty much figured out, we hope. We have our corners we think may be figured out. It's less things on that grocery list that we have to worry about that, you know, if this season goes south and we're in a position to maybe draft a quarterback, which wasn't on our wish list before, but if the opportunity presents itself, it's one less thing we don't have to worry about because we think it might be taken care of. It's 4D chess thinking. I get that, but it's true. Um, only other thing I think I have regarding from the defensive perspective, I gave an honorable mention fart to Josh Allen. Um, okay. Uh, I know that he kind of got decked early in this game and Chris Collinsworth pointed out that he kind of looked like he had a rusty right shoulder in there, but this is now a couple games now where he hasn't looked sharp. 19 of 30 for 169 yards, two touchdowns, one of which was... I would say don't fucking throw that. The second one, 
uh, kind of lucked out, throwing to like tight end three in a really tight window. Great ball placement, but god damn it, if Daniel Jones did that, it you it would have been picked. Um, of course, right? And only 11 yards rushing. I I the biggest fart for me, and I don't know that it's on him. I don't really give a shit. Like I said, it's only an honorable mention. It's not an official fart. It might have been on their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. But um, at the very end of the game, when they're trying to bleed the clock on third down, throwing the ball is an inexcusable level of arrogance. And I don't give a flying fuck what Chris Collinsworth says where he's got him. He's got him open. He was kind of barely open. You got a shitty pass and you the gave re- the Giants a free time out. The result doesn't justify nope. the, the process. I am a big... You are too. We are process people. We're all about what is the... What gives you the greatest odds and win potential to win a game? And doing that you know, if if they complete the pass, fine. The game might be over. That's the end of it. But what if it doesn't? And guess what? What? L- listen. It, let's let's flip teams. Let's flip jerseys for just a moment. That's not Josh Allen. That's Tyrod Taylor, and that's Mike Kafka and Brian Dable calling the plays. You do that third down play. It's incomplete. The Bills score and win the game on a untimed down with zero on the clock. That is the play that made that happen, right or wrong. Oh, yeah. And you know something? The decision would have been bad enough, but if you're making that decision not with Josh Allen but with Tyrod Taylor, that makes it even more egregiously stupid. Of course. I'm just saying if, yeah. if this podcast were happening with reverse, that would be – we would be talking about that play. Sure. I mean that would be the whole hour, right? Yeah, me and because the team that is that is the moment where you decided that you were so sure that you were going to close this out and just put the nail in the coffin that you just fucked yourself because they were where they were on the field to me is what makes that inexcusable. We were we were doing the math already, assuming okay, well there's gonna be X amount of time left and you know timeouts left and everything it was like oh there's a gift from the gods, um, you know the theme of this game you know was coaching decisions and clock management and all of that, you know, mental mistakes. That is one that will just be washed away in history of, of not being remembered. But those are things that when you, you can't let pride and ego and bravado get in the way of maximizing your chance to win. And I say it all the time with coaching, your job as a coach is to put your players in the best position to succeed. If that means calling the right play, having them prepared during the week, clock management, uh, play decision, everything, whatever it is, your job is to put them in the best position to succeed. Because you don't, whether they're you have a beef with, you know, who's now the coach of the Giants or or, or whatever, that should not matter. Win the game. Don't try to. Sh- See who's got the bigger pee-pee. And that's what he tried to do on that play. Unbelievable. That was I, I love that analysis. Um uh, so do you want to pivot to offense? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So um damn. I uh I, I guess I um it's hard first? to hang on, hang on. Just as a, I'll I'll let you get into your specifics, but just my general 
thoughts here. Uh, it, it, it is very difficult for me to be overly critical of anything execution-wise, giving the offensive line flex. I mean, you have Justin Pugh started this game at left guard. Um, from the couch. From, from the couch. From the couch. Hilarious, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Justin Pugh guy, but that's goddamn funny. Um, and in, like, I think it was the first quarter, Josh Zudu goes down with a toe injury. He leaves the game. And now you have a guy who doesn't know absolutely anything, who's already in over his head, is now kicking out to left tackle. For the rest of the game against a Von Miller, A.J. Epinesa defense that is like the highest blitz, not not blitz rate, but like pressure rate or something like that. Jesus Christ. I mean, I I didn't give him a star, but I'm going to give an honorable mention just to Justin Pugh for being up to the task. Sure. Uh so it's it's hard for me to be overly critical of a lot of things execution wise from the offense. The most important stat, no matter who you want to blame for it, though, and and what really is the reason the Giants didn't win this game? Over two in the red zone, and we'll we'll get to the specifics of who's to blame. I'm sure that's your number one thing. But otherwise, I just want to say otherwise, 300 plus yards of offense against a top team, against a top defense, with a backup quarterback and a Frankenstein offensive line is a fairly impressive, especially by this season's standards, a fairly impressive uh, stat line. Now, uh, you want to lunch into your offensive thoughts. Yeah, well, I was going to say, not only were they 0 for 2 from the red zone, they were 0 for 2 from the 3-foot zone. (laughs) I mean, that's even worse. And and at critical times in the most critical spots of the game. But I'm going to get to that. Hold on. Um, yes, another – it's a valiant effort from what they did. Um, you have guys that are probably not even – shouldn't even be out there yet. Uh, Saquon Barkley, you know, for what he did, I would rather than played – we thought he wouldn't, wasn't going to play. I thought he shouldn't have gonna, wouldn't have played, especially behind this offensive line. You can tell out there that he's not 100%, um, but he gutted it out, and he did a pretty good job. I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to balance this in my head between being really giddy about what this offense did and the fact that the bar for acceptable play now is so low that I'm not going to be doing jumping jacks or what they did. I'm just, I'm glad they were able to execute anything at all. Um, I don't think they've turned the corner. I don't think, you know, we were talking about this last night. Is like, is this something to build on? Well, not really. You know, not, we this is such a hodgepodge right now of players playing that, you know, we're not going to have these five guys in the offensive line the rest of the year, you know? So I don't, they, they did this. We didn't talk about a game plan for this week. Cause we were just like, there's no chance we're going to get killed. They basically followed. And again, for the second week in a row, I felt the game plan, which I wanted to do against Miami, the only shot they had to, to win this game was to make this from a 60-minute game as short as possible. Commit to the run, keep trying to run, wind that clock. Keep the ball out of a high-powered offense's hands. And for the most part, they did that. I mean, that game, the game felt long because there were so many things that made the game long. You know, the guy getting hurt, ambulance coming on the field, uh, lots of fights, penalties, all this stuff. But the gameplay was flying and we had, we had another huge time possession early in the game so we were doing what we wanted to do to 
have any hope to win this game. It's just don't give them that many possessions. Um, now I got to go to my fart, and I'm sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on. I yeah. just I just want to throw in there. I'm I'm giving uh, Saquon Barkley an honorable mention star. Uh, 24 carries for 93 yards, four or five uh, receiving for about five yards. I think that it, even when he's hurt, it's pretty clear how it, how much he changes the offense and what defenses have to do. It's very clear, and whatever your thoughts are on Barkley and the future with the team, it's in, it is evident that whether it's him or someone else, a dynamic running back really does change. And by dynamic, I mean like top five guy. Like we can talk about positional value, etc. But the top five, the one percenters at the position really do change the way defenses have to play. And Barkley gutting it out with a high ankle sprain, coming back very early. I thought that there were a couple of the big runs that he broke in the second half. I was saying to Cranky live, mm-hmm. a healthy Barkley might score on some of them. Or get 30 yards out of yeah. it or something. Or, I mean, yeah. but it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, you have one where there's a single high safety. He's the only one that's going to stop him. And you have a corner that's able to catch up to Barkley. He didn't... He didn't look at his fastest. I mean, like high ankle sprain, you know, I don't know about you. Me, I think about cutting, starting, and stopping, that kind of thing. But even just like the pure speed, it looked like he wasn't quite there. You had people catching up to him. But also just like Barkley is a tackle breaker. He makes people look silly at his 100% healthiest. And I think that 100% healthy Barkley in this game might have broken something like a 40-plus yard run for a touchdown. Potentially. I think think if – this is a bold statement, but I think if Barkley's healthy, I don't think this game's close. (laughs) I think we win this game pretty handily, I think. I think, you know, I think that solves a lot of, you know, woes in the red zone. I think it solves, you know, third and shorts. You know, you're relying on guys that are, you know – you're making decisions based on inferior talent you have to play with. When he's there, I think the decision-making is a lot easier. Um, So, yeah, I'll give him – an honorary, um, uh, just again for his uh, his presence more than the actual output of what he honestly did. So that's fine. Um, farts. You may not know this, Grump. I am not a big Tyrod Taylor fan. I <laughs> I never have been. Um, even when he was a starter, he has a 500 record as a starter on not horrible teams. I don't think. Um, I just my my criticisms are well documented on this show. Why I don't like him. Um, the biggest thing to me is just he. I still believe is trying to audition for this phantom starting job. He'll get in the league somewhere else. I don't know if he thinks he, he's. He kind of said it in the post game interview. You and I were listening to the fan uh, crawling, yeah. crawling out of the stadium. Yeah. Um, he said something along the lines of, I don't know. The way he answered questions had a lot about, you know, what I can do, show what I can do. You're mm-hmm. not supposed to show what you can do. You're supposed to go in there and do. just do your job. You are too old. You are already – you have had your opportunities. You're not Geno Smith turning 31 or whatever. I, 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 I was just about to say, I don't know if he thinks he's Geno Smith 2.0 or not, but he's not. He's not. <laughs> no. So, I mean, we don't know – you know those two plays at the end of the half of the end of the game. I'm gonna get just it's 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 too obvious, but it's a collective fart. On I'm gonna give it to the combination of the coaching staff and the quarterback. 
I, for the life of me, I, I don't want to argue even so much should have been a pass play or a run play or this or that. or the, What is the rage in this league right now? What is the play that is basically unstoppable right now? What is the play that they want to change the rules about because it's unfair? We have a weekly discussion about making this play illegal. Right. Because it's so unfair and it's such a high um, rate of success. Twice. We had the No. Wouldn't it be three times? No, it was twice. It no, was it was three. Yeah. Well, three. I, I guess with the, 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 the penalty. No, no, no. It wasn't. It, wasn't the, the it, penalty. Was, it was twice. It was twice. Yeah, it wasn't on the one. I don't understand it. You know, even. even it's three if, fucking feet. Exactly. And you have a, you know, Tyrod Taylor is not a little guy. I mean, you're asking three feet. Or, and somebody else mentioned it we thought was pretty interesting too. Saquon Barkley, just direct snap and do the, the tush pusher or the push he. Get one yard. I don't, you know, there's so many, this team is so deficient in talent right now that you are relying on so many moving parts with that last play for it to work. You are a, a successful handoff, a successful Tyron Taylor, not for the million time uh, turning the wrong way when he's dropping back. You're relying on the offensive line to block. You're relying for wallet to release himself you're relying for all these things to get you know in the smallest little window just do what's working for everybody and i don't want to hear well we tried it before and the guy's got hurt you cannot run your life on the fear of injury it's also the last play of the game it's fluke injuries are fluke injuries happen at part of the game if that's the way you know don't ever block anybody you might get hurt don't ever run over the middle you might get hurt don't run into a pile you might get hurt don't come out of the locker room, you might get hurt. So just because something happened once, <laughs> that's, a, that's a silly excuse people are making. And to me, I don't know. I remember before we hired you know, this current administration, one of the things I said was I want a modern offense for the 21st century NFL. Well, there is nothing more modern than the tush push. And we had twice opportunities to do it, and we didn't. And that's disappointing. So I don't know what the aversion is to it. I don't know if they're just scared of the offensive line or what it is. Scared that, you know, Tommy DeVito is in, in, in the, you know, in the wings. But to your point, the second one, the game-ending play, the decider, was the last play of the game. He scores and he breaks his scrotum. It doesn't matter. We'll figure it out for next week. Not a problem for right now. So that gets – that – that really, to me, the um, end of half, end of game decision making, whether it's coach, quarterback, combination of the two, has got to be cleaned up because it ruined a game. If we would have won this, we'd have been talking about for years. You know, this would have been up there with that Seattle win a couple of years ago. It would have been up there with that Tampa win, that, that the Daniel Jones game would have gone back and you know all the think of all the great comebacks in history that the Giants have come back from. And now it's just, well, now we're one in five. Yeah. Um, I gave a, I only gave two farts, two true farts, not honorable mention farts like High Mark and Josh Allen. And uh, Tyra Taylor going 24 of 36 in this offense for 200 yards and five rushes for 24 yards is very impressive. But it is 100 and. 
50% negated by checking out of the play at the end of the first half with no timeouts into a running play wherein you pretty much you you ended the you ended the half. That was inexcusable to me and it was actually kind of hilarious watching the broadcast. <laughs> Brian Dable flipped out and went straight to Mike Kafka. Who looked like me being yelled at by my dad like when I was a kid. Like I, I didn't call that play. Um he was so mad that um, I'm sorry, I forget who the sideline reporter was. She was trying to get some answers at him. He was still yelling at Tyrod going into the locker room and said, I think she quoted him saying, he's like, I'm really sorry, I, my head's not in it, I can't answer these questions right now. Yeah, that I, is 150% on Tyrod Taylor. And the reason why it negates all of what he was able to do behind a shit offensive line and against this good defense and all that other stuff is because he's the veteran. He is the one who knows to look at the clock, look at the timeouts, understand what you're fucking doing. Checking into that play. I was, at that time, I was eating a disgusting hot dog and watching on one of the oh. screens by the concession stand. And I. I I'm floored, just absolutely floored. If I were sitting next to you, I might have been actually throwing shit. I I don't even know what the hell I would have done. Well, I would throw shit if you're sitting next to me anyway, so that's not not a surprise. But yeah, I just I remember just sitting there. It's just like that couldn't have been from the coaching staff, you know. And again, it goes back to my thesis about Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor trying to take things on himself and be, you know, look what I did. Look at my hit. Look at my. You know, he can go into a contract negotiation with somebody and say, look at what I can do. Look at my brains. And it was the exact opposite. It, 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 that killed the game. I mean, if we score, because remember, we got the ball to start the second half. Correct. Right? They had just set themselves up. We, we were like, why the hell are we deferring? I want the ball. Let's oh, score first in this game. But my God, they almost pulled off. You know, going up 13 nothing at the half to start the half – to start the second half with the ball, they could have they could have theoretically went up twenty to nothing. That stadium would have been dead. It was silent. It, it, and you and you could see. As soon as that play didn't, it wasn't. It, the, the the um the half ended. If you looked over, we, I looked over at the uh, the Bills sideline, and they were jumping up and down like the game was over, like they just won. I mean, that was the kick in the in the pants that a listless dead team was given to go into halftime, you know, catch their breath and come back out. Now, you know, and then things change. So that is just, you know, if it was Daniel Jones, I'd have been a little more forgiving. I think, I think I just have a, you know, a, 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 a stick up my, my a craw, my whatever for Tyrod Taylor. He's, He's older. He's more experienced. He's been around longer. He knows, you know, you should have all these scenarios in your head. Yeah, with for, it is unfathomable and inexcusable to check out of the – you had 14 seconds. 14 seconds ticked off of that. That was not, you know, two seconds, you know, maybe, whatever – like you, like you checked into the wrong play. What he did is he effectively ended the half. He ruined what you had, like, three shots at the end zone. Us two idiots sitting in the corner of the end zone were, you know, eating disgusting hot dog. And it was kind of like, you can do this and you can do that. I was talk, I was thinking in my head, okay, three plays. You could do this. You have all these options. 
You also could have, you know, worst case, you still had a field goal in your back pocket and field and points were a, you know, forget scoring a touchdown. Just you need points there for a team that is so challenged scoring points as this team is again, over two in the three foot zone is zero points. It really negates everything else they did on offense the whole game. A hundred percent. That's why he gets a fart. He he actually had, given the limitations and whatever, a noteworthy game. But you just the the only thing that matters now is that the Giants haven't scored an offensive touchdown in something like eight quarters or something like that, and uh, or, or maybe it's like more 10, than that. ten quarters right. or something. Did we score in San Francisco or something? That's. Um... We didn't score one in Miami. We didn't score one in Buffalo, but I think we scored in San Francisco. Okay, so that's 4, 8, 12, I guess 14, I believe. Did Seattle, oh, do, do, do we score against Seattle? We must have. I don't think we had a touchdown in the Seattle game. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. The point is, yeah. that's the talking point, and that makes the entire team look like shit. And that is okay. that stat is 100% attributable to Tyrod Taylor outthinking the coaching staff apparently um and, and also I, let, let's just finish up this up with one thing we we are not on this show and as you as giant fans should not even have it in your brain maybe we should go with tyrod taylor when nope. daniel jones comes back that's the last we are talking about that on this program on our twitter feeds you know in smoke signals that we send up you know parry, carrier pigeon whatever that's it I mean, even if you want to move on to Daniel Jones and you think Tyrod's the better option this year, it does no good at this point. So I don't. Um, I do want to hand out some honorable mentions on offense and some stars. I'm going to give a star to Darius Slayton. Big plays at big times. Four of six for 69 yards. He also drew the DPIs in the end zone. Um, I thought this was a game where Darius Slayton really shined. Um, I also thought Wandale Robinson, I, I'm highlighting him, he gets a star as well, uh, just because he's super duper young. And in this game, he was the reliable third down option. Eight for eight, no drops, no nothing, 62 yards. Wandale Robinson is the reason that the Giants had such good time of possession, such a, a meticulous march down the field. If he can turn himself into, they're trying to make him the the guy he was in college, and I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. He's never going to be the end-around guy that's going to make people look silly. I don't think he has any future coming out of the backfield and, and doing anything Debo Samuel-y. I don't think that's him. But if he can be a perfect, reliable slot guy that is so frustrating for other defenses, that more that, that is worth the second-round pick that's perfect. I, I was really dubious on that pick. I'm Obviously, this one game is a microcosm. The game against the Lions last year... It is a drop in the bucket in the overall film thing. So my jury is not in or out or anything on him. But if he can be that guy, then he is worth the second-round pick that I criticized. Yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, him being a second-round pick is irrelevant, really. It's like these are the guys you have, and what are you going to do with them? And, well, yeah, you know, but, but I mean, no, no, at this point, I would say— for you, it's just like— No, but I, I think also— we're dealt with now, and this, what, are you, what are you going to do with the hand you're dealt, and what are you going to do as that athlete? And he is, you know, on his way to maximizing what he could do. I want to get back to Slayton for a minute because Slayton was the guy that I was out on. I was out on him last couple of years, and he's been 
you know, just the nature of this offense and the situation that this offense is in and really the lack of, you know, targets he gets and the lack of opportunity, he's very sneakily had some pretty big catches this year. And there's not, we, you know, when someone's on my hit list, you know, it's it's like like the you know the the, the Tyra Taylor Award where it's like, see, validating what I believe, I am kind of sort of half looking for things with Slayton and be like, see, this guy's just no good, and there really kind of is no more Darius Slayton list with me anymore. It's just, oh, good catch, nice job, Slayton, nice job. So, you know. Old dogs can learn new tricks, and you know I'm kind of he's kind of graduated for me as like this guy just disappoints me too. He's important. It's just it's unfortunate for guys like him and guys like Hyatt that they don't get more opportunities just because of the state of this offense and you know things that are beyond their control. Um, they're young enough pieces though that you know we're we're assuming at some point we will have an offensive line, and you know they'll have better opportunities to show what they can do. But in the limited chances they're getting, they're making the most of it. I, I wanted to highlight Hyatt. I gave him a um, an honorable mention star. He is, to me, starting to emerge as um, showing flashes of being better than his third round draft slot. Um, that was a really good gutsy catch on fourth down on that final drive where he leapt up in the air and he took a shot mm. to the gut um that is somewhat the kind of thing that a young guy would do who hasn't been in the nfl long enough to get smacked into next tuesday but also just the fact that he laid his, himself out there but he he also had a really good comeback route catch you know the big criticism that he was this year going to be speed only and my thought process is that it's okay to be speed only because there's about four or five really effective routes that you can do when you have threatening speed. And one of them is a comeback route. If people are always playing off of you because they're afraid that one stumble or even just hip to hip, they're going to get outraced, then the comeback route is the kind of thing that will guarantee separation. And it's not just the fact that he had that comeback route. It was the way that he plucked the ball out of the air to me. Mm-hmm. I really, really love, and you'll, you probably heard me say this before. You'll hear me say it again. I really love when receivers attack the ball out of the air as opposed to this fade away, let it come to me, catch it in my chest. No, catch no, no, like no. This. And that's yeah. one of the that's one of the things that I always thought was underrated about Odell Beckham Jr. is that he attacks the ball in the air. He never lets it come to him. He goes and gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that, and most importantly, he had an outstanding catch downfield. Got two feet in bounds on a long play that was negated by a awful awful ineligible man downfield penalty that even Terry McCauley called out on the broadcast. Again, I didn't want to make the referees a part of this. My point is, is that in a real universe, Jalen Hyatt, Hyatt, we would have been talking about a lot more had that call been correct. And there's a chance that even the Giants scored on that drive because that was a huge pass that put them into plus territory. Uh, that got totally negated. And not, not only that it was a net negative because it was a five yard penalty. Yeah. Um, I am really, really excited for what Jalen Hyatt can do in the years to come. Uh, you know, obviously we're we're in the thick of this year and we're talking about a very specific game, but 
Um, Hyatt was kind of a boomer bust pick. It's a little bit of the re- I mean, it's 100% the reason that he fell out of the first round. There was some first round buzz about him. He fell all the way to the third. The fact that he can do things like that, he's showing moments like that, it give it fills me with hope. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Sure. I didn't have anything else in the offense. Did you have did you want to talk about special teams really briefly? No. Other than, you know, Gano and Gilliam did their jobs, and uh, that's important in a game like this when, you know, field position and, you know, you know, having a field goal kicker you can rely rely on to make the field shorter, especially when you have so many woes in the red zone and in the three-foot zone. It's very, very important. So um, good job by him and good job by Gilliam to, you know, flip field when, when he had to and get out of bad situations. So they both did a good job. Yeah, I um, Graham Gano has already received his reward for good performance. He's got his contract extension. Jamie Gillen has been on the brunt end of uh, some criticism from fans and I'm sure experts as well. He had a really, really good game in this game. Like I said, punting out of his own end zone on a short snap into something like something that appeared to me to be like an 80-yard net punt because punting yeah, out of your end zone good, to the opponent enough. 30 has to be close to that. Not good enough for the guy behind us, but in the rest of the universe, it was pretty darn good. <laughs> um, but I will say the flip side of the special teams coin is that we can't seem to run a punt or kick return without getting 55 fucking penalties. And I know fans have called for McKay's head for a really long time. I'm on that bandwagon. At this point, I've seen nothing over the years of McGahee that says that he gives us some kind of advantage. And you know, your point is always that bad teams and bad rosters equals bad special teams because bad starters means that you've got worse depth and, uh, you know, your special teams is down to your 53rd man on the roster. But at the same time, it's been a long time and we have never felt like we had a special teams advantage outside of Graham Gano uh, being automatic. And we've been bad a long time too. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, coaches got to coach and players got to play. And, yeah. you know, you. you, you but penalties, but penalties are also something that I feel like has to be worked out of players. Right? Yeah, but the penalties they're making, it's not like they don't know that themselves. These guys are now in the NFL. They've been playing football a long, long time. They're not new rules in the NFL they don't know about before. It's a lot of things like holding and stuff and blocking behind is usually because you're not in position. And why you're not in position, probably, probably because you're bad. Yeah. So... Um, but you know, like, I mean, things, this was a things game. That bother, things that bother me with the special teams, you know, is just like, you know, we don't have enough men on the field, like things like that. Oh it's, yeah, yeah. Stupid stuff where it's just like, you know, or schematically, we're getting you know extra uh, field goals blocked or punts blocked, and it's like not because of bad execution. It's just like people don't know where they're don't even really don't know where they're supposed to be, and we it's don't even know that we need that. eleven guys on the field. Exactly. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I'll say um, it's just frustrating where I've I've been so heavy on Eric Gray and the decision making and in this game I didn't think Eric Gray did poorly as a returner but every single time that you know he had one where he caught it ran up the field got to the forty penalty we're starting on our fucking ten the the flip of the field from these penalties is not it's not marginal it's very big. We gotta get better players playing special. We have to bet the roster better. Yeah, I really think that will. I mean, you know, 
you when you see really good teams and really fast and really good teams, the, the penalties are different than the ones we see for this. This is just guys are not fast enough. They're not quick enough. They're, you know, they're just not good enough. And we just have to get a better roster. And I think you'll see these things go down. That's not that's not saying we don't need a different special teams uh, coach, but I think you'll see a lot of the. And I think it's even sloppy. I think it's just desperation. A lot of these penalties could be. Um, this game for me came down to that last play of the game. Uh, I didn't rail hard on it because you did, but <laughs> let, let let um let it be known that this game should have been a W. I I am in full belief that it is out coaching yourself to throw a pass play on that final play of the game. I don't give a shit how you want to run it in, but if you if you can't tush push yourself with an untimed down three feet forward, I don't care how you draw it up with Barkley, Taylor, with three offensive linemen, one taking the snap and two pushing him. I don't care how you draw it up. If you can't get three feet in that scenario, then you deserve to lose, and that's okay. And that's okay. And that's okay. But to try and be fucking cute when you have a backup quarterback, an offensive line that's made out of spare parts— and yeah, that's uh, almost my point. I, I, I just don't, I, I am, I am like, uh, you know how, um, that is the, that is the smart glasses. That's yes, smart glasses. That is the definition of smart glasses. Go ahead. It's, explain smart glasses. Smart glasses. For those of you who don't know is my unaffectionate nickname of Joe Madden, former manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, where, he thought he was the smartest guy in the room, and he tried to beat the game by being smarter than the game. Not, not doing things that are even analytically correct, but because he thinks he's smarter. And, you know, I say this time and time and time again. Coaches coach, players play. And coaches are not playing video games. Players are not, you know dots on a screen where they are moving around and having things happen. You have to let players play and thinking that you are impacting by your coaching over the ability and the actual execution on the field means you are a smart classes and you are think you're too smart for the game. And that was an example. Now, again, we don't know the truth. Was that something again, that did Tyrod? No, I'm pretty sure that was called. I'm pretty sure that was called. Okay. All right. Then, then that's on Kafka. Yeah, and and, and here's the thing. I I know that. Um, and if we're philosophically against the tush push for whatever reason, then we are letting, you know, whatever we thought of this being a modern game, we just fell a little behind the rest of the league. And that's that's a little bit of a, it's just something to keep your eye on. You know, are we going to evolve and stay up with the latest trends and the successful trends in this league? My. my uh... My mantra is I, I understand that that was probably even worse DPI than the play before it and that they probably deserve another shot at the end zone officially. My mantra and my quote will always be, remember, never rely on the officials to get it right. In the biggest moments, they will fuck you because they're human. Never put it up to them. Always have to beat by two. Always think beat by two. Never change who you are. Never change how you play the game because the referees will fuck you because they're human and they make mistakes. And it is it if it makes you feel better at night when you put your head on the pillow to say we got screwed 
by the universe and the officials and that guy deserves to be fired, then good for you, but it doesn't change a fucking thing. Remember one thing, everybody who thinks there's this big conspiracy against the Giants. Which bad team for the last decade has been on prime time more than any other team? Which city and market do they want desperately to be successful? Dallas. I'm just kidding. Yeah. They want, you know, we have, you know, between the giant fan base, Aaron Rodgers with the Jets, and the size of this market, the NFL has is an undervalued asset right now because of the lack of, you know, maximizing what ratings and all the associated stuff in this league has because these teams are bad. So if you think this league is screwing us on purpose or the, the officials are against us or biased against us, you're insane. <laughs> you, you really, really are. So don't even think that. Yeah. Especially since I think the officiating was just bad in general in that game. Officiating has not been just league-wide is not as good as it has but, been. But just don't rely on them. You have to win by two. You just always have to win by more than what the officials might accidentally take away from you. Now the Giants fall to one and five. Thankfully, I guess, the, the Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Jets 20-14. to 14. They fall to 5-1. and one. Dallas is playing tonight at the Los Angeles Chargers. They're at 3-2. and two. Hopefully, they can fall to 3-3. Three and three. Washington, as we predicted, beat the Atlanta Falcons 24-6. They're at 3-3. Three and three. We are the laughingstock of the NFC East and probably the laughingstock in the NFC. And that just is what it is. Are we the laughingstock? No, I, I don't know. I, I think no, we're the we're, we're the afterthought. The, yeah, we're we're irrelevant. I, I don't think that people give a shit about injuries when it's not their team. They don't even know but, the extent but, usually. Right, but, but but the you know again, the benefit of being on Sunday night is everybody is watching. That's a good point. And and and, and NBC has a over the top graphic with goofiness going on that will highlight every injury and how bad and statistically in that. So I mean. We have been on three primetime games already this year. And so the rest of the league has seen God more than they probably want to of us, but they kind of get it what the story is with the Giants. You know, the the above-the-fold headline is this is a very, very banged-up offensive line that is crippling their ability to really do anything. And then, oh, yeah, Saquon Barkley's out, the— Oh, yeah, a backup quarterback. Yeah, and now the backup quarterback. So laughing stock this team is not. It's just irrelevant at this point. That's unfortunate, but the way it is. It it is the way it is, and the Giants will be hosting to what? The Washington Commanders next Sunday at 1 o'clock. You and I will be in attendance, correct? Yes. We will be there. It'll be a lot. It'll be a star-studded tailgate. Uh this weekend, I'm looking forward to it, seeing all of our, our good friends. And uh, yeah, 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 nice fall weather. Should be nice. Got my and new new Giants jacket I'll be breaking out this weekend. You'll be very excited to Ooh, see it. Ooh, I am excited yeah. to see yeah. that. All right, sick. So then we will see you guys on Friday morning for the preview episode of that. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. YouTube especially. And remember, like I said, tell a friend because the internet can only do so much these days. So, uh, you know, let let your let your friends that you have daily giants conversations know about our podcast, where to find us, etc. And uh, we love you guys. We'll see you all Friday morning. Until then, let's go giants. Go giants.